The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We carry on through our day as if everything is just fine. But for many of us, it's merely a mask covering up all the emotion simmering just under the surface. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shamin Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from others who face the same adversities in life as the rest of us. But these individuals have redirected their energies to creating extraordinary ideas and concepts. Find out what they are and what's behind the motive. Now, here is your host, Shamin Sadiq. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shamin Sadiq, and you're listening to us today on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. So at the end of our last show, I asked you to think about what it was that you yearned to create. And like I do every week, I thought about that myself as well. And there have been many things that I have yearned to create and have created over the last few years. But what the word yearning led me to think about was our topic for today, which we're calling Stalking Our Longing. And I was thinking about these tugs, these longings, these things that kind of pull at my heart. And I realized that there are many threads of longing that run throughout my story. One strong thread of longing that I'm noticing these days is one around children. I can't read an article about a child who's lost a parent or who's been left or alone or abandoned or not held in a safety net of love and care or family without feeling absolutely heartbroken. And I felt that way for many years. At the beginning, when I first started to notice this, I didn't know about stalking longings and purpose and passion the way I do now. So I just thought that there was something seriously wrong with me because I couldn't stop crying. But I learned that part of the the signal was that I needed to do some of my own work, my own healing, healing the parts of me that felt like that child that was abandoned. And What it's signaling to me now, I believe, is that this is maybe the next evolution of my life purpose or an indication of the next version of my purpose, the work that I will step into. So I'm surrendering to it, not quite sure where it's headed, but just noticing that that's the tug. And I'm reading this fabulous book by a person named Mark Nepo called 7,000 Ways to Listen. And I found this quote this morning that really speaks so perfectly to this sense of heartbreak that I feel when I'm in touch with this um, signal or this longing. So let me read this to you. Um, He says, I know I'm being held by the nature of things when I feel this ache way inside. When young... It appeared as a sadness I couldn't explain. I thought if I could just get rid of it, I might be happy. But I began to realize that this deep ache is the tuning fork of my soul. It is how I know I am close to what matters. In actuality, this deep and nameless ache in the presence of beauty and suffering has been a steadfast teacher and friend. 
It breaks me open to truth when I am too busy or numb to take in beauty. And these breakings of heart are awe-filled events from which I don't recover, but through which I am uncovered. Isn't that gorgeous? It just so perfectly speaks to my own understanding of this right now. And speaking of threads of longing, there was another thread of longing that led me to our guest today, Bob Anderson. A bit of a story here, but many years ago, uh, I was working in an organization here in Toronto, and it was a really dog-eat-dog kind of place. I was part of the senior management team, and I had no sense of community or collaboration with my teammates. I felt like we were all uh, in it for our own survival, and there was a desperation that just felt very um, exhausting and unfulfilling. I was at... um, uh, work one day when my my friend phoned and my friend phoned to say that her sister had miscarried. She was pregnant about five months along and uh, had miscarried the baby and they were having a memorial service for this baby that weekend and she asked if I would join her there. Of course I did. I was a new mom myself and again that tug at my heart um, got activated so off I went and I was just amazed and astonished to see that this young mother who had lost her baby was surrounded by people who loved her. People who I didn't know. I knew all of their family, so yes, they were all there, but there were all these additional people there. And I had no idea who they were, but they each got up and spoke with such love and such heartfeltness that I asked my friend, you know, who are these folks? And she said, they're her colleagues. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. If that was me, if I was in her position, would I have colleagues who would come? I couldn't even think of more than maybe two. And at that moment, a longing in me that I never even knew existed got surfaced or signaled. And I began to search for that kind of community. I said, this is the type of feeling I want to have at work. I want to feel loved. I want to feel held. I want to feel like I'm in it with people who are up to something that we're, we're all in together and we're committed to. And whether an individual fails or succeeds matters to the rest of us. And I'm so pleased to have built that community. The thread took shape and form in my life, and I've met many wonderful people, and I'm proud to be part of many different professional circles, one of which is the Leadership Circle. And in 2007, I walked into a Leadership Circle profile certification and was met uh, at the door by Bob Anderson, who is my guest today. And I wasn't sure when I walked in, I I kind of went because all my friends were going and because I was so community minded, I wanted to be uh, not left out. But within the first hour, I knew I was in the right place. Bob gave language to everything that I had experienced in multiple threads. I wasn't even aware of the experience I had had, but when I heard him speak, his own words and the words of the poets and the words of the leadership theorists that comprise his framework, I I sensed that I was with the right people, the people who knew what, how to speak to the experience that I had been having. And so it's with great pleasure that I... I introduce you to Bob Anderson, a dear friend and a mentor and a colleague. Bob, I'm so thrilled to have you here. Welcome. Well, thank you. Welcome. I'm, I mean, I'm 
amazing to hear you talk. You've got us well launched already in terms of our topic of talking here. And when I think of those three words and what that means, the person I think of right away is you. I, I, I never knew what that was. And I can't remember what the poet was, what the poem was that spoke to that in the certification. But it's a moment that I'll never forget because you put this language to something that I'd been feeling. And I'd love it if you would tell us about maybe one or two of the threads that lead through your story. Well, um, <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to choose. And um, the thing about this topic is you don't really see the pattern uh, until you're well along in it. So it's only looking back after years that you say, oh, I understand now what has been pulling me my whole life that I didn't know about then. And I walked forward um, in a cloud of unknowing, in 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 a fog, basically. And so... Uh, where to start with? Um, I grew up. I mean, I grew up in it. That's uh, part of my story. I grew up uh, in an entrepreneurial family uh, that was principle driven. We had a statement of principles. The company gave twenty percent of its uh, profits to charity, which is unheard of. And I grew up in this sense: if you're here to make a contribution, you're here to leave the world a better place in some in some way. That was um, really affirmed and challenged and pushed along by my Jesuit upbringing. Um, so I, I kind of came out of my education years with this um, deep sense of, um, I need to figure out what that is. And um, I didn't know it then, but I was actually well along because life has a way of speaking to us um, the question is, are we listening? So it's speaking to us in all of our experience, high and low, um, times of uh, engagement and boredom and when things are working and not working. That's data that I wasn't aware I was collecting. Um, and so I found myself in um, a manufacturing facility. My family owned an agribusiness. I was running the feed manufacturing plant. So my early career was making hog food and dog food, which I think (laughs) is an interesting place to start. Um, And one night, uh, we're working late because the plant was down, and when the plant's down, everybody's doing everything to get it back up. And I'm outside. It's about 2 or 3 in the morning, and I'm outside um, unloading railroad cars and uh, trying to get the plant restocked with feed ingredients. And I get finished unloading this car, and I, in their hopper-bottom cars, I go up inside and climb down inside the car to sweep it out. And I get done with that, and I'm exhausted, and I just prop my feet up there for a moment inside that hopper-bottom, kind of sitting in the bottom of the car, and I take a breath. I got my breath. I got my uh, dust mask on, and I hear myself say out loud, literally out loud, with authority, out of my mouth comes, you're not becoming who you are. Wow. Or actually, it was, I think, stated in the first person, I'm not becoming who I am. Wow. And I went, I mean, it 
I knew by the resonance in my body that what I had just spoken was a truth I couldn't go back on. And I knew it was true, and I didn't know what to do about it. And uh, uh, to make a long story short, I got uh, about two weeks later, this is synchronicity working now. This is how it works, actually, if you're paying attention. Uh, A book was given to me. I don't remember who gave it to me, but it was Letters to a Young Poet. So I took it home and read it, started to read it, and the first letter, the very first letter, it's a, it's a book by, of letters that Rilke has written to a young and aspiring poet. And um, the poet actually initiates, the young poet actually initiates the conversation. says, hey, Rilke, take a look at my work. You know, what do you think? Am I good enough? Should I be a poet? Give me some career counseling here. <laughs> and um, Rilke writes back in the first letter, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a masterpiece. He just says, wrong question. Don't, you're, you're looking outward. You're sending your poems to editors. You're trying to, you're looking outward and above all, you should not do that now. Go into yourself and search for the reason that bids you right. Because mm. this was, this was so pivotal in my life. This was the, defi- this was the defining moment of my life, I think, because I, I it said, go into yourself and search for the reason that bids you right. Find out whether it's spreading out its roots in the deepest places of your heart. Ask yourself, in the stillest hour of the night, must I write? And then it says, if you answer that voice in the affirmative, I'm paraphrasing here, then build your life according to that necessity. Your life, even into its most indifferent and slightest hour, must be a sign of this urge and a testimony to it. I couldn't wow. believe what I was reading. Wow. I'm not becoming who I am. But but I also, when I read it, I knew that I knew what those musts are for me. That's when I realized that my life had been speaking to me and that there was plenty of data, that all I needed to go and do was sift that. Look at the times when I was totally engaged, times when I was completely bored, which, which working in the feed mill at that point, I was uh, really uh, disengaged from my right. life and wondering what am I up to here. So um, I then went home. Uh, I was working nights, so I would go home every night, and I wrote. And I started with a list, and I remember it was a list of 14 things that came up. These are my must. These are the things that if I'm not about these things in my life, I'm living somebody else's life. Wow. They came out quickly, actually. And then I wrote about each one of them to find out what it was and whether I really wanted to bet the farm on it. And one of those things was um, I want to help people grow and develop emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. I remember writing, I want to be competent at whatever I do. I want to be technically challenged. I grew up as the son of an engineer. So I, I knew technology and uh, needed to be a part of the mix somehow. Um, I was afraid about this touchy-feely people stuff that I felt drawn to because I was really a technical guy and I loved that stuff. So how do I put those two together? I didn't know anything about this profession. 
and I wrote it all down, and six months later, I realized um, I hadn't done anything about it, so checked in with myself, and I knew I was scared. I didn't know what to do and was scared to really take it seriously, what it might mean. So I went on an eight-day retreat, and um, on that retreat, a particular thing happened. I was going off one day to do my reflection and prayer and meditation, whatever, and um, I decided to do it in the mountains. I was out in Wyoming, and I decided to do it in the mountains. So I started out early, and I was I got some food at a mark along the way, and I'm walking up toward the mountains, and the storm starts to come up. I mean, it's really looking ugly. The wind starts blowing, and I say to myself, this is crazy. i got to turn back. And uh, I started to turn back, and a little voice in my head said, keep walking. Just keep walking. Yeah. This happened three times as the storm got, you know, it got worse and worse. And then when I just get into the mountains, it just breaks loose and starts to pour rain. <laughs> and I turn to my left, and here's a cave. Wow. I go into this cave, and I kind of cuddle in, and there's a piece of plastic actually in there, this clean plastic to cover me and protect me from the mist and the wind that's blowing in. And I'm completely cozy inside this cave watching this immense storm take over the valley. And I got it. It's like, okay, just keep walking. You have wow. no idea where this is taking you. Wow. And that was when I said yes. <laughs> I, uh, you know, the thing that overwhelms me about all of this is that this must have happened at a pretty young age. You were, t- you were in your 20s. Yeah, I was in my mid-20s. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I like to write something. So grateful. Yeah, yeah. So grateful to elders and mentors and people who told me this is this is important. Um, I, th- I don't think everybody gets that message. No, it is I, a longing that wants you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Wow. Build your life according to that necessity. That. Wow. Uh, and for me, it's the heart of leadership. Really, leaders stand on that. Yeah. Stand for that. Absolutely. Make your life a testimony to it. Wow. Yeah. Well, as um, hard as it is to take a break, we're going to need to do that for a few moments. But when we come back um, with our guest, Bob Anderson, and I'm Shamin Sadiq, we'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Could your business be doing better? 
In today's economy, results are dependent on your leaders, and you know effective leaders outperform ineffective leaders every time. The Leadership Circle Profile Assessment enhances effectiveness in leadership. It's the only 360 that reveals what's going on with your manager, why it's happening, and what actions to take for positive change. Want to improve business? We have the system and the breakthrough tools to make it happen. For a free demo, visit theleadershipcircle.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. This is Shamin Sadiq, and we're joined here today by Bob Anderson, founder of the Leadership Circle. Before we uh, jump back into Bob's story, I do want to acknowledge my sponsors, one of whom is the Leadership Circle, and as well, uh, two dear colleagues, Jim Anderson and Dan Holden. Uh, Jim is actually Bob's cousin, and Dan is a longtime friend of Bob's, and Dan and Bob were the first two people I met from the Leadership Circle, and I met Jim shortly thereafter, so just delighted to have again such a warm um generous awesome support uh circle in my professional life so um bob when you were talking before the break i felt actually that um spirit was speaking right through you i i know at the break i said you are awesome and i think it's bigger than just you yeah yeah Exactly. Um, now, me so, and all. This is the um, this is the paradox of higher order awareness. I mean, when it really starts to break open, is there is no separate you. Yeah. And so, one when we're talking from one level of who we are, we're talking about the pursuit of purpose the pull of purpose and discovering our own purpose and uniqueness and wrong. And as the journey actually moves on, you discover that um, um, there is no, there really is no agenda. <laughs> and that um, there is no need uh, actually to be anything other than what is. And so there's a higher order understanding, which we call unity awareness, where it, it, it all appears to change. But what I'm coming to is that each level in us, each level of our multidimensional being that we are, has, has its own requirement. So the body needs to be fed and nourished. Um, the soul or spirit uh, dimensions of us know what they're up to in this lifetime and are here for very, we're here for very specific reasons. And so then there is uh, a me that's trying to figure out who I am and what I'm supposed to be about here. There are other dimensions beyond that wherein 
as the as the Zen poet says, you know, the reason the Red Zen mystic says the reason you're so miserable is ninety nine point nine percent of everything you say and do is for yourself, mm. and there isn't one. Mm. Mm. And from that perspective, there is no purposefulness. In fact, even the notion of creating vision to achieve a purpose, there's somewhere to get to, that I have to get there in order to be fulfilled. This whole focus on me as a separate form, having to achieve something in order to realize myself or fulfill myself, fulfill my purpose, it's also part of the dream. So both are true. Yes. Both both need attention. So, so, so no, how, it isn't me. Yeah. It's something larger wanting to have its way with me. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm arising as that, but it's bigger than a separate me. I've had moments of grace where that has where I've been aware that it's not me uh, and then I quickly slide back to thinking it's me again um, but one of the yep. things that was just so beautiful was witnessing you and knowing that that's or sensing that that's what was happening that that's what we were hearing um, it's such a gift and how like t- bridge us from that day in the cave on on the raining hike to today I mean how do you know all of this what led you here Um, well, I didn't know all this. This is the key or a, something we have to get really, um, used to is even now standing where I am in my life and I'm in a huge transition. Um, I left a meet a partner meeting in order to be on this call. And in that partner meeting, I'm no longer the, I'm no longer the CEO. I'm no longer the guy running the organization. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stepped aside uh, late late last year, early this year, and so there's huge letting go right now. This is we talk about letting go is easy. Yeah, it's tough. And, oh no, it's not yet, easy. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. But in our profession, we say, "Well, he needs to let go of control. Or she needs to let right. go of control. She's too controlling." Give me a break, man. This is hard stuff, and yeah. to really allow a new. Uh, leadership to emerge and to champion that and it's like it's not easy and yet I could hear in the conversation oh wow do are we come it's really coming into focus now the, the global strategy that we've been cooking and pursuing for four or five years together and we actually merged the two businesses the leadership circle and the full circle group uh, over a year ago now, which again was very hard. I gave up full, I gave up ownership, right? To merge, uh, a business I owned, uh, to, with, with my partners. And so I started to look, look at that and go, ah, oh, it's all happening. Uh, this is why we work so hard, both emotionally and, uh, strategically to create a, a merger and a strategy around that and so on. It's been incredibly hard work to get that into focus and to watch it starting to really cook now is really interesting. So I I say all that as a way of saying I'm sitting here now in the middle of this do and I don't have a clue what wants its way with me now. Yeah. I've created this big spaciousness and I really don't know where that's going to take me or the business. 
and that's just or that's kind of like you got to get used to that if you're going to live a life of purpose. Mm. Uh, when you're stalking your longing, you do not know where the deer is taking you. You're following the trail, step exactly. by step. All you have is the next, the next, um, you know, track or broken branch or whatever it is. You're it's all you have, so you do not know where you're going um, the entire time. And so um, I, I had this moment. I come home from this retreat. There was more that happened on it. And um, what I've learned is um, you, that, that part of stalking your lung is learning to pay attention to how spirit speaks, like um, don't turn around. Don't go back. Keep walking. And that whole experience then that unfolded becomes a metaphor. Um, synchronicity speaking, here's how it's going to work. You're going to walk into what looks like a complete chaos, unknowing storm, whatever, and and, and it's going to be okay, but you're not going to know that. Yes. You know, and so that learning how to navigate that is part of it. So I go home. Um, I didn't know where to start. I want to help people grow and develop. How do you build a life on that? Where do I start? I'm, I'm running a manufacturing plant here. I've got a background in economics and business, so how do we get from here to there? And um thought about being a priest, but celibacy wasn't a very attractive offer, so I didn't <laughs> do that. Um looked into some psychology programs and so on, and then I, and I remember this guy that ran a training program that I kind of liked in the organization. His name was Dick Larrabee, and I called him up and said, I meet with you. I want to just talk with you about what you do. Well, it turns out Dick was, uh, you know, right at the foundation of the field. He'd come through MTL and uh, done all kinds of um, uh, uh, labs and all this sort of stuff. He was uh, a great resource in the organization. I hadn't a clue about this profession. Didn't even know it existed. I was fascinated. He said, "Well, you need to go talk to Joe Christian. Joe's in the next office. I just hired him. He just came out of this program in Bowling Green and Masters in Organization Development. So I go talk to Joe. Joe says, "Oh yeah, there's a program starting next week." So I call and I talk to the director of the program, and this is at university, right, the dean of the program, and he says, oh, yeah, just come. Don't even bother enrolling. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the program and you want to stay, it was a week-long residential. If you like and you want to stay, well, we'll get you enrolled. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> so this is, you know, as, as uh, 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 like Campbell said, when you're on your purpose, all the doors open. When you're following your bliss, all the doors open. If you're not, they all remain closed. Or the wrong ones are opening, right? So, um, But tell us, I, I mean, how did you know? I mean, this is the thing that I see this in your story. I hear, heard it in others, and I've lived it as well and continue to in my life. But sometimes a door opens, and, and it's not going to be the one, and sometimes it is. And, I mean, what's the feeling? Help us understand what it feels like when that breadcrumb uh, uh, is in front of you and you know that's the one you're supposed to take. Well, I didn't, actually. I remember thinking, well, I'm not sure here, but I'll give it a week. Mm. 
you know, and I remember even well into my master's program, because a master's in organization development, it's really about systems and structure and um, system design, and it's it's much more comprehensive than where I focused, which is deep uh, individual leadership development for, you know, effectiveness and so on. So I was passionate about people and people development. And so OD was kind of like mm, sort of hitting it, but not really hitting it, and mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is the door that's open right now. I'm going to keep walking through it. I don't know where it's taking me. So sometimes they don't feel like, oh, this is the door. I found the door. It actually didn't feel that way. It just was like, okay, this door's open. It's in the right direction. It's not exactly true north, but it's pretty close. Or it's getting me in that direction. I'll take it. And... um, I, I remember talking, when I was in this discernment process, I talked with a psychologist down in Columbus. I'd heard about him. He's very famous. And I called him up and said, could I just talk to you about this process of trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life? And I had a number of options and things at the time. I ran all those options by him in terms of possibilities that were in front of me that I could do next. And he said, uh, when I got done, he said, well, it doesn't matter. So what do you mean it doesn't matter? He says, pick one and do it. Yeah. Your life your life is like a sailing. It's like a sailboat. You're going to take a tack. You never go directly toward it. So you're on a tack here. And then that's going to take you to a certain point. You're going to tack then back against the wind. and Something else is going to grab your attention. And you're going to end up, if you follow that, where you're supposed to, buddy. But for now, just pick one. doesn't matter. Mm. So wow. I did, wow. and um, that was the choice that led me into running the feed point. That was before all this, so I took that tack, and um, so it uh, doesn't always feel for me like there's this epiphany. Yeah, yeah. This uh, is merging the two businesses, for example. Oh, it was agonizing. It was gut grinding. Mm. Is this really what we're supposed to do? Yeah. And then you're into the financial negotiations, and that's tough. And, and is this really, you know, it's not clear. And yet, at moments, I would just feel, but the vision is pulling. We have, in, order to, in order to realize the full potential of what we've created and co-created here, this is the best structure. And these are the people who have shown up. What, am I waiting for a better offer or something? Mm-hmm. Um uh, and so there were moments where it would get clear and you'd say, okay, stay the course, stay the course. And, um, um, but it doesn't feel, it didn't feel like clarity and it didn't feel good. <laughs> it actually felt, um, uh, it was purposeful, pulled by uh, purpose of what we're trying to create. And then there's a lot of hard work, and there's a lot of um, pretty thorny uh, strategic issues to work out, financial issues to work out. There's there's um, emotions involved in all that. And to our credit, as a group of partners, we stayed with that in a really great way, but it wasn't easy. And so this is, I think, when you get more mature with following purpose, you're doing it in the midst of some, some real intensity, of emotion, um, where there's all kinds of reasons to turn back. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is a conversation that I have with clients all the time, especially um, those who are in our field of leadership development, um, small solopreneurs like myself who are trying to get their business going, um, often find themselves, so on a very micro level, I mean, you're talking about merging two companies that have a global um, uh, global reach. I'm just talking about, you know, a, an individual who's trying to get started. But one of the right. things I've noticed is that when we're stuck, um, and something presents itself. I too have have heard myself saying, uh, "It doesn't matter what you choose. Like, do it, do it, and see what happens. I mean, it will unfold right. into something. Take attack, as you would say, and go. Um, because we don't know. Maybe, maybe I think that often I, I do this too. I was doing it today, thinking about the kids and the work with the kids, trying too hard to go ahead to the end result and picture what that would be. Um, robs me of some of those synchronicities and coincidences that are just waiting to present themselves. Yeah, I know actually in terms of how I've navigated, there's a lot in the literature around vision and clarity of vision. Certainly you need that, and I've had, had, had that along the way. But for the most part, what's been pulling is a deeper sense of purpose, and yeah. I haven't had clarity uh, when I started the leadership circle and I created the profile, I did it because I couldn't find one I liked. Uh, it wasn't to start this business. Okay. Wow. I did it to have it in my practice. Wow. And I didn't even envision this business. Yeah. It's a surprise to me. <laughs> I love that. I I remember a conversation that you and I had a few years ago where you said to me, you know, Shamin, Everyone, everyone projects all their stuff onto me, and and a couple of years ago, I was just like you. I was just a person who was doing this work and loving it and looking for clients, and you know, and it, I mean, we put so we throw so much up against you and others, uh, and I'm sure it happens to me as well that you know people throw their projections up, and really, you just created this for yourself. I love it. I did, and I had, I mean, I've always been sort of oriented toward product, because I didn't like traveling when I had a family, so how can I develop other sources of income? So there was a product strategy here, Yes. Um, and I had to, um, I had to fund it, because the amount of IT it took just to get started was um, significant, so I was in a big consulting job, I was pu- plugging all my money into it, and, um, and then I just stopped, and I said, okay, I wonder if I can sell this thing. And in 2003, I stepped away, had no clients. Notre Dame was using it. But that was it. Yeah. And I said, okay, I wonder if this thing can sell. And I had, that's as much vision as I actually had at the time. Wow. Wow. And that I, was 2003. Wow. I so hope that uh, members of our community are listening because uh, you, you don't teach the certifications anymore, so they don't get to hear this story. Uh, I know you told it to us when, when you taught us, but um, this, is, this is fascinating. So thank you so much. And we're going to go to another break. And when we come back, we'll hear more on Stalking Your Longing with our guest, Bob Anderson. And I'm Shamin Sadiq. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Could your business be doing better? In today's economy, results are dependent on your leaders. And you know effective leaders outperform ineffective leaders every time. The Leadership Circle Profile Assessment enhances effectiveness in leadership. It's the only 360 that reveals what's going on with your manager, why it's happening, and what actions to take for positive change. Want to improve business? We have the system and the breakthrough tools to make it happen. For a free demo, visit theleadershipcircle.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to stories from the heart of leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Before we resume our conversation with Bob Anderson of the Leadership Circle and the Full Circle Group, I want to let you know about some upcoming events. On May 6th, that's a Tuesday, in Chicago, I will be um, gathering or facilitating a public um, power circle. Power circle is is a um, an offer that comes from my practice and it really is about putting everything that we've been talking about on this call into practice. So it'll be of special interest to those of you who are practitioners in leadership development and executive coaching. Uh, think of that day as a timeout for you to join in community with others who are uh, engaged in the same kind of work and who want to pause and reflect on what really matters to you. So that's on May 6th uh, in Chicago and you can get more information about that on my website AnjaliLeadership.com. Click on the events tab for more information. And as well since we are talking with Bob about the Leadership Circle um, the certification in the profile is coming up. I'm teaching it in Chicago in May in the Washington DC area in June and in October in Denver and I know there are other dates as well in other cities. So for more information on that, go to theleadershipcircle.com. So, Bob, I was journaling today. When I prepare for the, my show, I spend a lot of time in the hour or two before uh, just letting myself sort of marinate with the topic and the intention. And one of the things that I ended up drawing in my journal is a picture of many threads. I called it Many Threads, One Journey. And I drew this picture of all these threads because I was reflecting on all the different threads in my life. And then I drew them actually weaving themselves together as the story kind of unfolds as a timeline. Um, As you look back on your threads, what do you notice about how they weave together? Well, that's been 
actually a theme I've been looking at lately. It's um, I'm old enough now to look back, you know. I'm, I'm into <laughs> Act, what I call Act 3, so I got Act 1 and 2 under my belt. Uh, I don't know what Act 3 is about yet, but Act 1 and 2 have this amazing um, wave. Uh, let me get just, you know, just it's, but in order to see the weave, you got to start at the end. So I got this leadership circle business. It's an incredibly, it's it's a model. It's an integrated model where I, you know, like integrated uh, almost the best stuff in the leadership field. It's a statistical, it's a, it's a statistical nightmare. It's a mathematical nightmare in terms of all that's going on in this thing mathematically. You have to be good at IT, and they're good enough at IT to, to, to work with IT. Um, there's a business capability that developed all around it, so on and so forth. So I look back over my life, and I think, I've been building models my whole life. Mm. I think I built every model airplane that was out there. I love building model airplanes. When I ran out of model airplanes, my dad started buying me model boats and aircraft carriers and ships. And when we went through that, uh, it was these antique cars that were actually metal, and they took forever. You had to file out the metal and clean it up and paint it and all stuff, put the car together. And when I went through that, my dad, I think, was running out of things. <laughs> he brings home a uh, Scott kit to build your own stereo system. Wow. Took me a year. Had an instruction manual about 200 pages, right? Wire by wire, resistor by resistor. I had a solder gun, and, and I spent hours for months and months and months building this thing. And when we finally had it assembled and we're running it through its final test, the last and final test was to drop the needle on the record and see if it made music, you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad went out and got this special classical thing that starts with a crescendo, and he dropped the needle on there, and out comes this incredible music. I fell down and wept. Wow. I'm in the fifth grade. Oh. Fell on the floor and just wept. Mm. So I've been building stuff my whole life. Uh, blueprints. There was a steel fabrication shop in the basement of our house. I learned to read and write blueprints. We were building all kinds of stuff. Um, I've led my whole life. Captain of the teams. I was on senior class or, or class presidents all the way through, you know, right out of college into the running a feed plant. Uh, I've led my whole life. So leadership is a, is a thing. Models. And I, I studied economics. Mm. And I thought I'd hate economics. I only took it because it was the last elective. I had no choice. And I'm like, ugh. Economics. Wow. And I took it, and I loved it. And the reason I loved it is because I enjoyed the models. Dynamic models that move and explain things, like when supply advances, price drops. Wow, I get that dynamic model. That explains how markets work. Mm-hmm. So what do I end up doing? And then I studied. I, t- I took extra uh, computer science courses because I enjoyed them. I took extra stats courses. Believe it or not, advanced <laughs> statistics. Believe I believe it. Or it. Not. I then, believe it. And then in my uh, uh, my other electives, I'm taking uh, uh, public speaking and oral interpretation, and I'm spending all my summers down in a people farm, and I'm wondering how in the heck does what I do down here, which is about building houses for the poor, but mostly building community that's transformative in people's lives, how does that relate to stats? Mm-hmm. and economics and 
accounting. I don't, I don't get this, but I think it's going to add up somehow. And so I look back and I look at what's unfolded. I remember saying to my wife when we were engaged, we're on a bike ride, and I said to her, I hope you don't mind being poor. <laughs> she looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, I know what I want to do with my life now, but I don't know how to make a living at it. And I cannot not be about it. So I hope you don't mind being poor. This is how you rule a woman. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, thankfully, she didn't, obviously, because you're still together. <laughs> she just said, well, I've been poor my whole life, so I'm good. Let's, you know, I'm okay. And uh, so this is this is literally like looking back. And, the, and you know that journal I wrote? Yes. In the 14 things, I pulled that out about, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. I haven't looked at it since, but I pulled it out 10 years ago and I wept because everything in there was happening in ways I never imagined. I didn't know about this profession. So I'm surprised. I'm looking back, I go, I can't believe that it's all added up to this. And yet it makes sense that I was building model airplanes and that I built a stereo system and that I was attracted to uh, student council and leadership in high school and that I captained the team and that I, you know economics and statistics classes and econometrics and like what I realize is um, we've been talking about this stalking your lungs what I realized when I saw that is the lungs been stalking me yeah right so I love that the soul or who we are knows what it's up to in being in the planet at this time. It can't, I, whoever I am, beyond or bigger than or wider than this body, is here for very specific purposes and knows what that is. My brain doesn't. It catches up. Yeah. So the experience is not knowing. Peter Block once said, you know, I know God gave me a purpose, but then he hid it from me. So, uh, but as Steve Jobs said, looking forward, none of the dots connect, but when you look back, they all connect. And that's been my experience. And I think it's only the experience of those who've learned to listen to the quiet, um, uh, sort of silent voice in your head that says you're not becoming who you are or words to that effect periodically and says, don't do this or don't do that. Trusting that, keep walking. Just keep walking. It'll be okay. Learning to trust that as the guide of your life, then if you look back, all the dots connect. Absolutely. That's kind of been... Uh, my experience, and I'm just, I look at it and go, wow, I can't believe it. All this stuff makes sense now. You know, what I love is that um, there's this not knowing along the way, yet there's this willingness to listen to that voice. And that voice gets really, like, it gets really noisy sometimes. 
I was thinking of um, one of the kids in one of my classes uh, that I teach at the school. He, I don't teach it. Uh, actually, they're teaching me. I, I just happen to be there um, helping them hold space and create a container for this learning that they're bringing. But this young boy stood up and said, um, I, asked, I asked a question. I said, you know, if you could change one thing, what would you change? And he got up and said, I would change that uh, I wouldn't want anyone to tell me who I'm supposed to be. I would want to be who I really am. This little boy was in grade four, and he knew that there was that voice. He had heard that voice, the one that says, this is who you are. This is, this is what it is, or this is what, you know, you stand for. Whatever the voice was saying to him, he knew, and he knew that his parents and teachers and well-intended others were telling him different things um, and was yearning to be allowed the spaciousness to just listen to that voice. I remember my son when he was in high school played football his sophomore year started on the varsity football team his sophomore year, which is a big deal for a high school mm-hmm. kid. Starting safety, captain of the team. You know, not captain of the team, but he's kind of the quarterback of the defense. But he's he's really uh, living the dream, you know. And he gets out of that, he goes into basketball, and basketball was mm, tough. The coaching is tough. Not very supportive, and he's really not enjoying it. And most of his friends have stopped playing basketball, and they're lifting weights on the football team. So he's really struggling with. Doesn't want to be a quitter, but really does doesn't really want to be playing basketball anymore. So he's sorting through this, and he's on a break. They pull him off the court. He's on a rest. He's sitting on the bench. I look across the court at him, and he looks up at me, and his eyes get really big, and he just looks at me like. And I knew he'd had an insight. So after the game, I said, what What came to you there? I saw you look at me. He said, Dad, in the middle of all this, um, I asked myself for the first time, what do I want? Mm. Not what does everybody want for me? Not what yeah. are people going to think of my, what do yeah. I want here? Yeah. And I said, you, you got your answer, too, in asking the question, didn't you? Yeah. I said, okay, I know what you're going to do. Um, so that's, that's the discipline. That's yes. practice. We treat it as a practice. Yes. It's a core practice in leadership. Uh, leadership needs to know what it's about. And, um, trust that it's, there is analysis, there is market research. Frankly, um, I haven't built my business on any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The practice of asking, the practice of listening, the practice of receiving. Mm. Paying attention to synchronicity signs. Stuff shows up. Yeah. Pay attention. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I am so grateful to you for being able to take your attention from your partner meeting that you left to come and join us here because um, your insights and your story have have just been phenomenal. And thank you so much, Bob, for sharing all of who you are with me and us here today. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for our colleagueship and friendship. It, it means, means the, world. the world. Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh, I love it when that happens. Um, <laughs> pardon me? 
No, we're in sync. <laughs> no, we are. <laughs> now we have to say goodbye. So right. as we leave um, the listeners, our listeners here today, let me leave you with something to simmer in the pot. What are you noticing? Um, my invitation to you is pay attention this week to the tugging at your heart, the synchronicities, the doors that um, uh, appear, the breadcrumbs along the way. Pay attention and just take note of what you're noticing. And, and ask yourself, what's tugging at my heart? What's pulling me now? And we'll check in on that next time on Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you all an awesome week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Shamin Sadiq will be back next Monday with another extraordinary guest at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll come back as well. Have a terrific week. And remember, you are not alone. 